Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Good morning, Lambert family. Hi, what a reception. And greetings to you who are joining online as well. My name is Carly. For those that don't know me, I am married to Alec, and we have two sons, Ethan and Kevin. We are a busy baseball family. So my days often involve packing ballpark picnics, making ice cubes for chug jugs. Have you heard that term before? It's like a great big water bottle. Hunting down blue or red Gatorade powder, and somehow finding a way to fit the other facets of my life into what remains of time and energy. I'm also a spoken word poet, a former high school teacher, so I'm relaxed at this time of the year right now, while others are not, and I'm involved in leadership within the women's ministry here at Lambrick. As Scott sort of began to mention, we are currently in a sermon series called Steadfast Songs, a journey through the Psalms of Ascent. A speedy recap for any who are new here today, the Psalms of Ascent served as a set of songs that would be sung together in community as the Israelites would go and travel to Jerusalem for the annual pilgrimage festivals. Not only did these songs function as a traveling playlist for the physical journey to Jerusalem, but they have much to offer us, modern day pilgrims, who are on an upward and Godward spiritual journey together. Before having been invited to join this sermon team, Psalm 124 had never really caught my attention. It's not like Psalm 23 or 27, 40, 91, 145, that have captured and called me back repeatedly over years. No, this one had never really stood out or dazzled me until the opportunity to examine it more closely. I love the way it is with God's word. The more closely we look at it, the more beautiful it becomes. So far on our playlist for the road, we've heard tunes like, woe is me, I must leave Meshach, Psalm 120. Our help, is our help in the mountains? Heck no, Psalm 121, if you remember that one. Let's worship the Lord, Psalm 122, and the Lord is our good master. Psalm 123, and now we arrive at Psalm 124. And from the best of my examination, we have a rousing cheer. A cheer? Oh, he's not here. Darn it. Okay, I'm going to need you all. Okay, I was, I was once a baseball player, a little girl who stood at the dugout fence engrossed in the game, side by side with other little girls, hands pressed up against the metal wires, belting out as loud as we could. Now here's, this is a repeat after me. Feel free to chime in. I'm gonna need a few brave people or I'll feel a little silly. Little Red Rooster. Little Red Rooster. Sitting on a fence. Cheering for our team. Boy, that bird's got sense. Awesome, you guys. <laughs> it carries on, but we can stop there. <laughs> Psalm 124, a cheer? Yeah, a cheer. Let's have a look. 
I'm going to read from the New International Version, my big heavy Bible here. (laughs) It's the only one that had the version that I had. Anyways, okay. (laughs) It's a good one. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept, us, swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The word of the Lord. Hmm. Catch myself here. So I'll show you where I noticed the cheer. It took me a little while to catch on to it. One day, I was early for school pickups. I had pulled over, it was in the heat wave, so I was pulled over on a shady spot, and I grabbed my Bible. I was reading in the New Living Translation when something new caught my attention. I think it's up there. Yeah, there we go. The New Living Translation, the first verse, or, and the, a bit of the second verse. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side? And in the message, it says, if God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out. If God hadn't been for us. Do you hear that cheer-like language? Yeah. Suddenly, the whole psalm took on a new look and feel for me. But it doesn't take long before we start to see all the hard stuff. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? Attack? And a cheer? Hmm, kind of sounds like a baseball game to me. If I were to boil down this psalm into one central point, it would be this. God is our help in the hard. And that's worth cheering about. The baseball player in me loves cheers, and the poet in me loves words and letters. So I have three H's to share with you. The journey is hard. God is our help in the hard. How can we possibly cheer in hard times? Let's start by looking at the hard stuff. This is most often what catches our attention first. Hard circumstances captivate our attention and we can so easily be consumed by them. The bulk of the text speaks to some really hard things. Angry enemy attack. Raging floodwaters, fowler's snare. What might the psalmist be referring to? There's generalization here, so I'd like to imagine just a bit. In the Bible, we find many examples of hard circumstances. I think of Moses leading the Hebrew people out of Egypt after the plagues, escaping from Pharaoh and his hordes of chariots, coming to the Red Sea, seemingly trapped, Definitely terrified. Hmm. Given that this is a psalm of David, I think of David's earlier days, constantly on the run from Saul, who's trying to kill him. Or I think of Daniel, put into the blazing furnace because he refused to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. 
No matter what the stories might be, Psalm 124 speaks of people who are feeling stuck, trapped, hunted down, overwhelmed, overpowered, barely keeping their heads above water. I'm sure that many of us can relate to this feeling, and maybe some of us are in a very hard season right now. And what about us pilgrims of this day? Our stories may be very different from those of biblical times, but they are still hard. We are living in a turbulent political and cultural moment, and many of us are feeling the pressing down and spilling out of unprocessed trauma and wounding that is individual, collective, and generational. We live in a world with sin, our own personal sin, the sin of others that affects us, and the collective sin which also affects us As Janet spoke about last week, we are all slaves, but we choose our masters. We can so easily become enslaved to and entangled in sin and in sin's harvest. Maybe we don't face angry attack, raging floodwaters, and snares of the fowler, but we are so often trapped and hunted down by sin and the powers of darkness at work in our world and in ourselves. Sanctification. The process of being made new in Christ, being freed from sin and purified, is hard work, painful work. Eugene Peterson says that Christian discipleship is hazardous work. It is wonderful and totally worth it, but it is difficult. We are told in the Bible, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And in this world, we will have trouble, but to take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. Hard things happen. It is part of the pilgrimage. The fires may scorch, the raging waters may soak, and the trap may surround for a while. But God is our help in the hard. Before I move on, I want to pause and wonder, what are your present or hard past, sorry, present or past hard things. A cheer? How can it be a cheer in such hard circumstances? I'm jumping ahead. Let's look at God in this text. Eugene Peterson, in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, says that it is the help we experience, not the hazards we risk, that shape our days. This text shows us such a mighty and powerful God. God who saves, rescues, protects, defends, and helps. The darkness the evil and magnitude of the hard things we face, though they can so easily overpower and overwhelm us, are no match for our God. We see that the Lord, all cap locks, is used four times. This is indicating Yahweh. Yahweh is the sacred and personal name of Israel's God, our God. The name chosen by God himself, first introduced in Exodus 3, When Moses asks God what name should he use when he delivers God's message to Pharaoh, Yahweh is the name that reveals God's character, nature, and history. 
Verses one and two also tell us that God is on our side. Other versions say for us. And this reminds me, and I think it was in one of our songs too, of Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Another very beautiful quality of God is more visible in the message version. Verse six reads, oh, blessed be God. He didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. I'm reminded of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse two. Scott included it in his sermon a few weeks ago on sanctification, suffering and sanctification. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is our God, our I will be with you God. Emmanuel, a name for Jesus, means God with us. We are never left alone, never abandoned, though it may feel like it at times. For some of us, myself included, it can be hard to believe or trust this when there may be past wounds of abandonment or rejection. There's a song I really like called Surrounded, Fight My Battles. I always think it's called, this is how I fight my battles, because that's how it starts. And the line, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you is worth remembering. In verse seven, we see that God not only sets us free from the hunter's snare, but he breaks the snare. This is such a powerful image of what the death and resurrection of Jesus has accomplished for us. Christ's death crushed and demolished the enemy's trap and his resurrection set us free. Jesus paid the price for our escape. In verse eight, a connection is made between this personal, intimate, always with us God in the day-to-day tiny details, and God, who is maker of the heavens and earth, a massive God who cares about a tiny us. How amazing is that? Now we get to my burning question. How can we possibly cheer in hard times? I do enjoy cheering at a baseball game. Just ask Siobhan Barry, Tony Graham, Danny Allen, or Tara DeLeo, they've seen me at the ballpark go just a little bit wild in cheering during a really exciting game. But what I do not enjoy is Christian cheer, or any cheer for that matter, that is divorced of any real recognition of the hard stuff in life. This was a significant reason why I resisted Christianity for so long. I've had far too much hard stuff to stomach Christian platitude and wispy cheers. But thankfully, this is not what we see in Psalm 124. This is a cheer, yes. And I'll get into that a little bit more, but it's meaty and gritty. And it's definitely not dismissive of the hard things. We cheer to encourage one another. You know those people who cheer for the marathon runners? Maybe you're one of them. 
They bring signs, they maybe even get dressed up, paint on their faces, and they might run alongside for a little while. They may station themselves at the end of the race, the very end, when exhausted runners are fighting against everything in their bodies and minds that scream, just stop now. Cheerleaders know that the race is grueling. They see it. They cheer not to say, pretend you're not running. Pretend you don't feel so challenged. But to say, I see you in your hard moment. And it is hard. But you can do it. You're surrounded. You can keep going. I've been reading a lot lately about Daniel's life in 1st and 2nd Samuel. After all the running from Saul's jealous attempts to kill David, after Saul's gruesome death, after David is finally anointed as the king of Israel, as David moved the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, the city of David, he celebrated with the people by dancing before the Lord with all his might. He danced and cheered so passionately that his wife, Michal, was filled with contempt for him. Do you remember contempt in Janet's sermon, right? I don't want to go off track here, but I share this story because most definitely David knew of hard things. His cheer and celebration was not divorced of the reality of his very difficult circumstances. It was right in the middle of them. Psalm 124 is a psalm of thanksgiving and praise. Do you hear the tone of cheer woven through the entire psalm? If the Lord had not been on our side, praise be to the Lord. We have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I know full well that we may not feel like rejoicing in the Lord always. I'm still learning and practicing just like you are how to praise God when my days and moments don't leave me feeling thankful. Certainly God is good. He is unchanging, and so even when our circumstances don't seem good, God always is. Eugene Peterson says that worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. I should have had a slide for that. I'll say it again. You can come and find me. I can repeat it again. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Psalm 124 is a psalm of remembering. The cheer is one that remembers all the ways that God has rescued, saved, protected and delivered his people. Remembering is a great way that we can bring ourselves to praise. It encourages ourselves and one another. A dear friend of mine gave me a special gift. Some of you might recognize something like it. It's a handmade standing stones arrangement. With it, she she shared a little slip of paper that spoke about the biblical significance of standing stones. The Israelites, in Joshua 4, built a monument, a pile of 12 stones, to commemorate their crossing from the old way of life into the new in the promised land. 
It was to remind them of what God had done for them, that he cared for them, kept his promises, and went before them in victory to conquer the land of their inheritance. The standing stones were a way of remembering the ways that God had helped them with the intent to be an encouragement to the future for hard things that would come along. I pause to wonder if you were to mentally imagine or physically build your own standing stones, what would each stone represent? How has God shown you his mighty rescue and help? Thanksgiving and remembering serve well to help us fix our eyes on Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The hard stuff can be all-consuming, taking up all of our energy, focus, and attention. It can be hard to take our hard or to take our eyes off our hard stuff. Last week, Janet, I'm mentioning you again. Janet mentioned a professor of hers who said to look up, look up. Looking up, finding Jesus in our hard times takes practice. It also takes trust that God is good and God is with us. It takes a community encouraging us to look up. We don't have to pretend that we're not having a hard time. We just need to look for God in it. Looking up isn't looking away. In fact, I would propose that if we look away, away from the painful and frightening and uncomfortable stuff we are facing, we could be at risk of missing God with us. And testimony of stones for others. This is a great quote from Eugene Peterson's book. I'm going to read it for you. Psalm 124 is a magnification of the items of life that, were, that are thought to be unpleasant, best kept under cover, best surrounded in silence, lest they clutter our lives with unpleasantness. Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply into the trouble and finds there the presence of God who is on our side. In the details of the conflict, in the minuteness of a personal history, the majestic greatness of God becomes revealed. Faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our existence, not the easiest. Many of us might be familiar with the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I'm not going to sing, I will speak it. A few verses. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying. 
his perfect salvation to tell. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus, it isn't that we're taking, our, taking them off our hard things, but it is that our hard things get put in their proper place. They grow strangely dim. And Jesus gets put in his proper place. We come to see Jesus as more beautiful in the very things we'd rather avoid. Turning to him and finding him with us in our hard times, leaning into him there, suffering with hard things, can feel bearable and worth it. To see Jesus, who knows suffering well, we come to know Jesus more deeply and intimately in our hard times, and this is how we can cheer. Jesus is far more captivating than our hard times. Psalm 124 is a testimony and a witness. Our stories of testimony emerge when we find God, our help in our hard times. Having found God in our hard times is exactly how we cheer. Eugene says that the witness of this psalmist is so rigorous and confident, vivid and contagious, like a rousing cheer, that one who might doubt this God who helps in hearing the cheer must wrestle with such data and maybe change their questions from, why is this happening to me? To, how does it happen? That there are people with, who can sing with such confidence, God's strong name is our help. How do people cheer in hard times? Who is this God? Maybe I want to meet this God. Here's my cheer, my witness. I came to know Christ after quite a wild trek through the New Age, looking for answers, truth, peace, healing, and spiritual encounter. When I met Jesus, my life was in a very dark and dangerous place. I won't elaborate, but I have been rescued from much destruction and damage. My cheer is passionate real, gritty. I've seen God help me in the most amazing ways. He's led me through so many very hard things toward profound healing and freedom since I met him only seven years ago. I've come to expect his help, to reach for it, to cry out for it, to rally others to do the same, to set our eyes on Jesus and take his hand when it's offered. God leading us through our hard times requires us to trust in his time and in his way, which can be easy to miss when we insist on ours. It's a learning process. It takes time and supportive and safe community. As a spoken word poet, having camped out in Psalm 124 for quite a while now, I have created a poem and I wanna share it with you. <laughs> I see people cheering already. That's awesome. I invite my great friend, Carrie Brain, to come up and join me on stage. I'm gonna step away here. We have had really good fun together in the past. It's been a while, so we're thrilled to, 
to get together again here. Maybe I'll just do this. Because I need to stay in there, right? I need to stay in the camera. Okay. Little movement break. If you need to move, do it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Are you ready? Okay. Hit it. Oh, the things I've seen. The things I've seen and the places I've been. I've seen a family shaking, breaking down. Shattered pieces fallen on floors I've seen through doors that should have been shut. I've seen loved ones losing hope and life. In many battles, I've been rattled. I've seen, been in fires, anger, rage, caged. I've been swallowed up, overwhelmed, engulfed. Many flooding waters swept over. Yeah, I've seen things that have seared permanent imprints like tattoos I'm trying to lose, choosing to forget. But somehow, like a marvelous mystery, a get out of jail free and monopoly of all the things I have seen, none has been more memorable, amazing, captivating than Jesus. Where did I see him? It wasn't, I wasn't looking hard in the good times. No, I saw Jesus at my worst, thirsting deeply for freedom when I was caught up in the fowler's snare. It was there that Jesus was so vividly seen changing me forever, turning groans into praise. And I don't know, maybe I'm even thankful for all the things I've seen because they drove me to scream out into the icy darkness for Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And like my precious Savior, who conquered death on a cross, I'm at a loss when it comes to explaining. But he gives me victory. Every hard thing, another invitation to closer intimacy with this most lovely one. And I come out cheering. This is my God. He is with me. He is with you. Where would we be without him? This is my story. 
but what is yours? Who needs to hear your cheer? I invite you to spend a reflective, quiet, personal moment in prayer. Is there something God wants to say to you or that you want to say back to him in response? I'll leave some space and then I will close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are always with us, never leaving us, walking through the fire, flood, and traps with us. Thank you, beautiful Jesus, that you have not just set us free, but you have broken the trap. Help us to fix our eyes on you, our help in our heart. You tell us that you will keep in perfect peace those whose eyes are fixed on you. Teach us, God, to praise you even when things are hard, to cheer, to give thanks for all that you have done for us, even when we're standing in the middle of the storms. Lord, please show us how to share our witness with one another, to gather and offer up our standing stones. Help us to know and sense that even when we walk through the darkest valley, you are right there with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect us. For your strong name is our help. Amen.